<laughs> Welcome to the Drive to Work from Home podcast. Whether you're in the car, on the tube, or on your couch, we share stories from interesting walks of life and talk about issues from two sides of the mirror. It's a learning and a growth experience for me and those I invite to listen and also join in the conversations. On the show today, my buddy from university who we've been talking about major topics for years and years and years. So I figured at least we may as well tape one of them and see where the conversation goes. Today, tape one of those rec- successfully. That's successfully, yes, we, we that's have right. We several before. So, or, Shout out to well. our sponsor, Riverside.fm, for providing this amazing virtual studio. <laughs> <laughs> so on the, on the agenda today, uh, something we're calling the convicted artist. In other words, cancel culture, which seems to be pretty trendy these days on Twitter and you know, a lot of stuff surrounding Hollywood. But uh, maybe in the 20 seconds, why don't you give us your spiel of what you think uh, this convicted artist topic is all about? Uh, well, for me, it's more of like if there is an artist who you feel has doesn't share the same values and morals as you, but you enjoy their work, like are you allowed to personally enjoy their work again? Right? Like, I, I have no idea. I, I don't know if you, I, I don't know if you not enjoying their work affects them in any way. Uh, like, if they're successful, but I don't know. Yeah, it's just a question that I've been struggling with. Uh, I wanted to get your take. Well, first and foremost, I think that this is not a answer that is very black or white. You and I come from technical backgrounds where, generally speaking, there's always a yes, no, true, false, one, zero. But life is usually a lot of gray. And when you're dealing with, you know, technical situations, it's a lot easier to say what something passes or fails. But in these social constructs, there's always going to be certain yeses and nos that are pretty clear cut but then there's also going to be situations where you know it's subject to the environment it's subject to the time and it's subject to the context of the situation now i remember the big example you brought on was uh louis ck mm-hmm. who i remember being a big influence in your comedy style um and i i enjoyed his work quite a bit too but there's a lot of other examples too of people that have been sort of canceled based on cac- accusations and then sometimes convictions. And it definitely changes on the, on the context of what they're accused of, how severe it is, and most importantly, in my mind, the intention. So well, why don't we go through Louis C.K., first of all? I think that might be a good example to start with. Tell me a little bit about, uh, just for anybody that doesn't know what happened, uh, in case you're off social media, what happened with Louis C.K., and how did that affect your view of him so far? So he was accused of... I think it was workplace sexual harassment or just sexual harassment. Um, mm-hmm. I, like I never, when I hear these things, I never go into the weeds because I think it's not my place to judge or you know, um, like I, you you never know what is the truth and what isn't, and so I try to stay out of it and let someone else kind of decide, like a jury. Um, but yeah, like he was, he was accused. Uh, actually, a lot of people spoke up uh, against him, uh, and uh, some other comedians like stopped working with him. I think what's her name, Maria Bamford, was her name? Not Maria, Maria Bamford. Bamford. Yep. No, that's a, no. There's a different comedian. I forget her name, but uh, Tig Nataro. She uh, she came out and spoke out against him, not because she witnessed it, but what she heard, and uh, she spoke out. So, like, my question was, oh, do I? You know, I don't agree with what he did. Do I stop listening to his comedy? Right? Uh, and it's like, how do you separate the art from the artist 
Well, again, this is a really big question that a lot of people are struggling with because for me, I mean, I've looked at outside of comedy, but people that I used to look up to, Steven Tyler, John Lennon, and uh, a lot of other, like the Rolling Stones, they were, I wouldn't say recently, but it's been more apparent now that they've done some pretty nasty things. Um, I wouldn't say they're the most feminine friendly people in the world. Um, and it's really hard for me because growing up, I was a huge fan of the Beatles. My dad was a band fan of the Beatles. Uh, but John Lennon was obviously accused of, and I don't even know if accused is the right word, but, you know, uh, domestic violence against his wife uh, prior to Yoko. His son, I think, is more or less estranged from him based on the relationship they had. Uh, and Steven Tyler, for those that may not know, the lead singer for Aerosmith, he apparently had groomed a young woman from his uh, groupies or whatever you want to call it, like somebody that was following him pretty closely, convinced her parents to let her marry him, took her on tour for like a year, impregnated her, and then basically just dumped her afterwards. So that seems to me like pretty predatory behavior. And I personally, it's I struggle to listen to Aerosmith now knowing what he did, but it's not an isolated incident. I think a lot of the stuff surrounding the 60s and 70s and 80s in music, but also in the time, they didn't really, you know, pay attention to these sort of domestic and, and you know, I don't want to, like, misogynistic views on women, for example, and the way that they're treated. I don't know if it's that they were speaking out but nobody heard or whether people just accepted it as is. But does that discount that the work that they did? Now, Steven Tyler, I'm not a huge Aerosmith fan, but the Beatles, I mean, John Lennon was an iconic symbol in, in all of music, not just rock or whatever. So can we separate his music from the actions that he did? I mean, that's a real, that's, that's, that's something that's really tough to struggle with, especially if, you know, the timeline of events, we don't really have a conviction, we don't have a trial, we have some reliable sources as well. But I think we can also draw from a few current examples of people that have been um, accused of some things, and not even accused, but even documented, and even publicly published doing some bad things. Uh, most recently, I remember your one, two, two examples that come to mind are Kevin Hart, and you brought up Mike from Penny Arcade. So Kevin Hart got a lot of flack uh, from some tweets that he put out a few years ago, pretty homophobic tweets if you look at the context. And then from that point on, he refused to apologize for his remarks, and was stripped of the Oscar host position that he was granted. Now, Mike from Penny Arcade, I don't follow comic strips too much or web comics. Can you tell me about what happened with Mike? So, I didn't, again, I didn't look too much into it, but I think he said, like, all guys have penises or all women have something, something to that effect, right? And, uh, and I think it was, he said it in passing about something else. And then someone called, so I, someone on Twitter called him out saying, hey, that's transphobic. And then he kind of got into it with them. And at the end of that, he, like after a day or two, he came out and apologized uh, and then made like a, a sizable donation to a trans charity or some, some kind of organization. And uh, he had said, like later when he talked about it, he, like, you, do you, you know when you argue and you kind of just get entrenched in a position, not because you believe in the position, but like you just, 
you say some things and then like, you know, a half hour later, you're like, why am I saying these things? How did I get to this point? You're just going all in at the end of the round. Yeah. And you're, you're just like, this is not what I wanted to like, it wasn't even the intention. And now I'm here and like, I'm too mad to say anything else. So that's kind of how we ended up there. And like, uh, one of his, I don't know if it's friends slash employee or employee slash friends. I don't know how he views that relationship is a transgendered person. And, uh, like they are still friends with him. So I suspect it like, I suppose I suspect like there's been some genuine learning there and some like understanding of the issue. Um, so like that, so like, you know, I learned about it and I was like, Oh, that's not good. But you know, it seems like he's learned and like, it. in that learning, I also learned. I was like, Oh, okay, cool. Like that is a thing that, cause I mean, you know, 10 years ago I was, super i didn't even know what homophobic was but i was that and i'm sure i would have been transphobic if i understood that that was a thing so i think being able to make mistakes and you know publicly acknowledge hey no that was definitely you know not good and now i learned is a good thing oh yeah and i i think what you you highlight is something that a lot of people may not know but like the fact of considering phobia like transphobia homophobia it doesn't necessarily have to be the extreme of just going out and bashing that group. It doesn't have to be that you're going out and inciting violence and hate and this and that. It's more about an intolerance. Are you including this person in the group equally? Like, are you doing something that is something somewhat making that person feel bad? So I know that I've learned a lot over the years and good God, thank goodness that, you know, we didn't have Twitter back then. Like, I think a lot of the stuff that it's a learning experience, just like you said. I think that we hold celebrities too high at too high of a standard sometimes. We shouldn't be worshipping celebrities because they're human just as much as you and I. And what you mentioned as well was a really important factor in my decision is the growth and the the um the reflection that they may have had upon their actions because another example that comes to mind is Aziz Ansari. And I'm a guy that tries not to draw too much of a parallel based on my resemblance <laughs> and mannerisms. And when the allegations about Aziz Ansari's sexual misconduct came out, I was like, oh, no. <laughs> now, I think there was some gray area about what happened there because this had happened during the Me Too movement when a lot of people were speaking out against celebrities that were predatory uh, against female work, you know, females in the industry. And then what happened with him was something in his personal life. And I think a lot of other women kind of called out his date or whatever you want call, his accuser that's the word to use about uh the act what she was the route she was taking and felt it did a disservice because she was saying this isn't exactly the same sort of predatory behavior we're talking about you went on a bad date now i think i'm clipping here i think that one way or the other whether her accusations were truly valid or not it's somewhat subjective like everybody's level of comfort level or is this predatory or is this bad is it's going to be different there are some very extreme examples like obviously bill cosby and chris delila recently those examples are very predatory and i just recently found out about what chris delila was doing uh behind the scenes and there's pretty clear evidence of the type of behavior he's been exhibiting which is very predatory against underage women underage girls excuse me and women so i mean that's cut and dry. But with Aziz Ansari, even if her concerns were questionable, he still took it in stride. He owned up to it. He reflected 
he went through his own learning experience and you can very clearly see from his previous comedy specials to his most recent one how there is a certain sense of maturity that's come out yeah did you did you see the special where he talked about it i did i did and i think that is a perfect example of somebody who a has a great pr team <laughs> but b i would think is genuinely concerned about the actions that he's committed and wants to wants to make a change in the world and i think we should we should celebrate those people yeah. and I think those are great examples because at the end of the day, everybody in the world makes mistakes. And another thing is what's drawn in the sand as accepted behavior changes over time as well. So Jimmy Fallon and even Justin Trudeau at some point did a bit where they were, you know, painted in blackface. I don't know. I don't think even 10 years ago, you shouldn't have been doing that, but they still owned up to it and apologized. And I think we should accept that and move on because otherwise you end up with a very polarizing environment where you're right or you're wrong and there's no sense of rehabilitation. There's no sense of growth, which is what our legal system in the, in the judicial system revolves around. We don't penalize people for their crimes. We try to, you know, we try to rehabilitate them, ensure that they've learned and they don't reoffend, and also to a degree help out the victims, but also making sure that this person is going to be a positive member of society moving forward. So unfortunately, we don't do the same thing with celebrities. No. People love to cancel celebrities. We live in this cancel culture and a great example of this in historic times is a trial by media. It's a very great uh, documentary on Netflix. It's six episodes or long or so. It predates all of the Twitter and social media stuff, but it shows examples of where criminal proceedings have been influenced by media coverage on it. And today that's amplified by social media. Yeah, I think it's just a, a larger jury. Yeah, a larger unqualified jury. <laughs> so there's a couple other examples I wanted to run by you that are kind of on the same talk. Because I remember JK Rowling as well was uh, called out for some transphobic comments on her Twitter or her Instagram or whatever. Yeah, yeah, she got into it. And like the big debate, I guess, is like amongst her, like, I don't know supporters, but everyone who enjoys her work is now kind of morally asking themselves, uh, hey, should I continue enjoying and supporting this work? Because everyone can do, there's no black and white, oh, it's a good person or a bad person. Like, I feel like you can say, hey, you know, uh, this person has done good things, but they are a bad person internally. And this person has done, no, no, no. Um, the, the other one I was thinking of, like, even Hitler did a good thing. I mean, he did kill Hitler. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so yeah, like, I don't think you can say something is, or someone, I don't think it makes sense to judge someone. I think it makes sense to like take a good action and be like, hey, that's a good action. I'm going to emulate it. And then, or, you know, this is a good piece of work. I enjoy it. Right? Like, the only way your support really makes a difference is if someone's a struggling artist and you're like, oh, wow, I really like their painting, but, you know, he beats women. So it's like, okay, yeah, you not supporting him actually will make an effect, but me not supporting J.K. Rowling is not, she does not know or care who I am, right? But what I can do is like, if I buy her book or go see her movie, right? Let's say I go see the movie that's 20 bucks. Yeah, donate 20 bucks to her, to like a trans organization. I'm like, all right, there. We're even, or donate forty and be like, I'm up one. Yeah, I like that idea. It's kind of like a moral, like checking account sort of thing, where you're upping your morality, but it's like a sin, like a like a swear jar, but with morals. Yeah, yeah. That's the one challenge I think a lot of us have is, I mean, again, with this whole social media world we live in today, 
the people that have the most influence are usually not the most trustworthy people to be listening to in the first place. But the attention span of the audience is so short, it's only 140 characters or 10 seconds of Instagram stories or whatever the hell it is. And not everybody's going to do the level of research that, you know, any nerdy person like me would on, on a 2 o'clock in the morning. Or people that are forced to reflect and forced to, re to, to learn because they've been subjected to that kind of trial by media. A couple of other examples that are kind of highlight this issue about whether we should even trust them or give them a platform. Uh, Gwyneth Paltrow, Jenny McCarthy, and MIA, or Maya, whatever you want to call her. Three. What, what happened to her? <laughs> she got canceled, bro. Oh, no. <laughs> Why? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But, I mean, I, I feel bad for her because, I mean, she was somebody that kind of got brought up into the spotlight because of a very catchy tune that she sang. And suddenly she was at the top of the charts with uh, with P. Diddy and all those guys. But then... Nobody cared about her message afterwards. Well, did, did something happen to her? Like, did she say something that, or she just like faded from? Okay, so so there's two things about that. She faded because people weren't interested in her social justice raps and stuff like that. They just wanted catchy hip hop songs. Okay. So she still has a following. It's just more focused in people that are extremely, you know, care about her social issues and also like artistic creativity or whatever the heck it is, but. What recently happened, I think about, I think it might have been e earlier this year, uh, she was pretty vocal about not wanting to give her child the COVID vaccine oh, and no. her stance against vaccination in general during a global pandemic, <sighs> which I think during... You hate to see it. <laughs> you hate to see it. <laughs> now, I think another major problem we're facing with right now is this anti-vaxxing movement, which, again, people are very, very short-sighted and don't realize that there is some genuine concern with adverse reactions to vaccines. It's been documented with the influenza vaccine, but it's not about like, it's not about, you know, all vaccines are bad and they cause autism. It's about a case-by-case -case basis. Do you have a medical need to be concerned about this or not? And you can't generalize all vaccines based off of one tweet, Twitter message or something, but that's basically what's been happening with Jenny McCarthy who was a pretty famous actress in the 1990s, but right now apparently is driving the anti-vaxxer movement because her audience is so entrenched into her philosophy and also the type of audience that's not going to do their own independent research. Or their research is like Facebook memes. Yeah, exactly. But, so, but also, to be fair, like there's also like a study published, right? So people are like, oh, here's my study. But then it was discredited and no one's like, well, my study was discredited. It was just like, well, there was a study. Yeah, it's just multiple layers of it because it happens in academia all the time, which is technically what the scientific process is. Right? You publish something, you prove the negative, say that like we tried to prove the negative, it's not possible or whatever. And then somebody else comes up with a conflicting study. It just goes back and forth. Science is, ev is evolving. So you can't condense that into a single Facebook post or whatever it might be. Um, but I think the big problem with somebody like Jenny McCarthy right now is that her platform is now causing a vast majority of a vast significant portion of people in the population to be against vaccinations. And that's actually been driving up cases of measles, yeah. for example. Diseases that we have more or less eradicated are now resurfacing as outbreaks because people don't want to get vaccinated out of this this need. And MIA in this situation during a global pandemic is influencing people not to get the vaccine. That is a pretty big responsibility she's holding. Whether it's a personal decision or not, I don't think she should be using that. Did she say why? Yeah, there are some details more or less about how it's, 
poison and this or that. Like, I mean, we could look into it if we had done our research, but... <laughs> <laughs> no, because the, the reason I ask is because I, I have some friends who, you know, uh, like, have told me, oh, they wouldn't get the vaccine, right, for one reason or the other. And, like, I'm like, okay, those are valid concerns. I don't know enough about the vaccine to be like, oh, that is, like, that isn't a valid concern. So, all right, if you don't like the vaccine, you don't like the vaccine, right? Um, if it's like, oh, vac- none of them were vaccines cause autism. Yeah. So I was like, okay, well, you... Well, I can, I can, I can, I can be somewhat appeasing to this current situation because we're looking at a vaccine that has not been tested that was developed within the span of a year had a i think a safety trial of about a thousand or something small and then the efficacy how effective it is (laughs) yeah there it is i think was used about like thirty thousand per sample or something like that so it's a pretty small sample in the scope of vaccines and mm-hmm. yeah, like it is risky. There have been documented cases of vaccines causing much more damage to the to the subject than if they had just not gotten it. Um, I don't know if we're dealing with that or not right now, but especially with the volatility of this whole uh, pandemic, I think people need people, especially in those platforms, are held to a higher standard. Just like, for example, you know, these politicians that are going down south traveling. I mean, yeah. one way or the other, like, and even recently, there have been some hospital directors that were scrutinized and fired over this. The Royal in Ottawa, two weeks ago, found out that one of the directors or one of the managers there was traveling and vacationing in uh, Cancun or somewhere warm, came back after the quarantine policy was, in, it was in, put in place and was working from home, even though most Canadians would be subject to a $2,000 quarantine. Oh, really? Yeah. So she was basically getting paid to work from home and also bypassing this whole quarantine process in the position of a health agency director. So I think everybody who's in that sort of position has to take a little extra caution with how they carry, conduct themselves in their personal lives. And MIA is a a good example because, like, she, she may have valid concerns. Maybe she had adverse reactions to vaccines when she was a kid and she wants to protect her child as well. But I think at that point, they have to think about the greater good and how much does a statement like that make cause a movement? How much will that affect the well-being of her her followers? But should they have, like, I feel like it's also the onus on us as people, right? Like, if, like, it doesn't matter if it was MIA. Like, if you believe something so firmly uh, that no evidence can, like, change your mind, anyone who says it, you'll latch onto them, right? Like, if MICA says, hey, I don't believe the vaccines, I'm like, oh, okay, I'm just going to not listen to her opinion on vaccines. Yeah, right? that's because right. Because I'm like, all right. But, but if she links to us like several studies that are like, look, here's a bunch of trials and here's where they failed, right? I'm like, oh, okay, maybe I'll look at another source, right? And maybe she is like, but like, so it's like, yeah, you can hold them to a higher standard, but, you know. We have to hold like, ourselves to a higher standard as well. Yeah, and, and like people are going to be people. Like if I'm going to believe one thing, I'm just going to find sources that agree with me. I'm not going to go find sources that contradict me. Why would I do that? No, that's a good point. Not everybody follows that process. So um, we have a couple of minutes left. So I thought we would round out our conversation just a little bit about some of the things that I I think that the, the tools that I use to kind of assess whether I want to follow somebody or not. First and foremost, like is the behavior actually malicious, predatory, or hateful? That's a pretty, pretty clear-cut thing. So cases like Bill Cosby. So, some of, most of it is clear-cut. Sometimes it's hard to tell. Exactly. I also try to acknowledge, like, was this behavior accepted at the time? 
and have our standards changed? Because that happens a lot too. Um, the most important thing which I focus on, which we just we basically talked about as well, was has there been signs of growth, ownership to the fault, and a resolution to change and be a better person afterwards? Um, and I think, again, like there's never any clear-cut black or white scenario with all these situations, but we're all, we all need to do our part, if you're a celebrity or if you're a listener, to be the best version of yourself as you can, but also be somewhat compassionate and non-judgmental to everybody around you. Because if you think about how harshly we criticize celebrities, nobody would ever do that to their friend. Nobody would ever be so like judgmental to be like, you're a horrible person. I'm never going to, hey, <laughs> hey, Nish, you said that one thing back in 2005. I'm never talking to you again. That's pretty volatile. Oh, man. Oh. <laughs> so I guess the last thing I'm going to ask you, so what is your current opinion on Louis C.K. since that's how we started off this current uh, conversation? Mm. I think I would still listen to his specials and go to his shows. Just because, it's not even that I think that he's learned or that he has changed his ways. I just feel like, okay, that is someone who has done bad things, but what they create, I enjoy. I, I don't feel guilty about that, and that probably doesn't make me a good person. But Nish is gonna get cancelled next year. Yeah. That's just that's just where I am. Like I, I like I haven't looked into it and like even well, like yeah. I think what you just said as well is pretty pretty honorable too, right? If the fact that you don't consider yourself an expert but own up to it. Nate Bargatze is actually a comedian I really I really enjoy from, from, from a couple of Netflix specials and he's pretty vocal about the fact that, hey, I didn't go to college. I'm just a guy telling dumb jokes on, on, on stage. So you guys shouldn't listen to me about anything related to politics or anything. Yeah, like I just want you to take my mind off my current problems. Like, uh, I don't know. I, f I feel like anyone judging me for like, oh, I can't believe you listened to that guy. I was like, look, man, there has been so many people listening to so Like, like I, I look at uh, Trump. I was like, oh, that guy's got crazy support and he's done some horrible things. So I feel like mm -hmm. this thing is a, like a, What's it called? It's a little pile of. It's not the straw. Drop in the ocean. Hammersburg. Yes, drop in the ocean. Yeah. That's a better. Yeah. I, I think the other thing about that too is if we kind of take so well, first and foremost, like I said earlier, we should probably stop worshiping celebrities. They're flawed human beings. They're good yeah. at their art. They're not scientists. They're not. They're not political scientists. They're not anything. They're artists. That we sh that's what we should they're give them a focus on. They're entertainers. Right? That's their job. That's if they were job. bad at entertaining, then I wouldn't, I'd also not listen to them. I mean, another great example, I mean, we're kind of running over the clock here, but like Julie Payette is an amazing astronaut, scientist, physicist. Oh, yeah. <laughs> not <laughs> good governor general. No. <laughs> no. So yeah, I but, wouldn't trust any other engineer to be in a public position like that. But um, Although, I mean, I think I could be a good governor general. I don't know how she messed that up. I... Like there were stories like she was so stressed. I was like, it's a government job that's mostly mostly decorative and ceremonial. Like, how are you? What are you stressing about? Like, I get it. If you couldn't find the scissors, right yeah. for the ribbon cutting, it's stressful. But just 
Yeah, and I, I think uh, we're opening up a huge can because this is not a political podcast, by the way. Let's let's just clear that up, okay? But I think if we take a step back and also just look at individuals, like I, I think we as people shouldn't be judging each other on who we follow. No. Uh, should I criticize somebody for listening to MIA because they like her music and they love what she's doing for feminism and everything like that? But I personally don't like her anti-vaxxing status. Should I just start criticizing my friend because they like MIA? No, I don't think that's fair to do. Yeah, I don't think that gets you anywhere. It really doesn't. I think what does happen, what does help, is opening that conversation. If they're not going to do it up there, at least us at the second tier level, if we open up those dialogues, we can at least uncover the issues that we were straining about earlier and learn from each other. And then hopefully set a better example for celebrities in the future. Plus, it's, here's the other thing. It's not like I would be like, oh, you know what? I really like Louis C.K. And he's okay to like, you know, sexually harass people. So I mean, it must be good. Like, I, that's not the message I'm taking away from Louis C.K. Yeah, exactly. Right? I, like, I'm not, like, you're not listening to, I'm not listening to MIA and be like, oh, well, like, I love what she says in the music. And also, like, so she thinks it's good to not vax. I'm going to not vax. Like, Nobody's making that connection. I'm, I don't listen to them for their personal beliefs. I listen to them to be entertained. That's right. That's right. Well, I think, uh, I don't know if we've actually come to a conclusion on this, but uh, if you have any final thoughts, they're welcome now. I, I think, you know what, life is too short. Uh, I think as long as you're listening to your entertainers as entertainers, you're fine. And if you're, if you're listening to them as like moral compasses, then yeah, may, then, you know, choose wisely. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, well, hopefully in some of our future episodes, we can get into some more conclusive answers. But I, the key thing about this whole podcast is that we're, life is all, I don't want to say 50 shades of gray, but there's a lot of gray areas in social issues. <laughs> well, uh, 49 shades of brown. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's our next topic. Anyway. Um, but yeah, I think the very first step is opening up that conversation so that people can reflect and do their own research. So stay tuned for our next topic which I haven't thought of yet. We'll do our research for next time, though. You know, it's a, it's a surprise, yeah. <laughs> Thank you for listening, and thanks again, Nish, for joining me on this call. Peace.